We are excited that you're here with us this morning at River Rock Bible Church, and um, I'm happy to introduce my good friend Bob Robbins to you guys. He's going to be preaching the last of our series on Love God, Love People, and we're going to be looking at the story of the Good Samaritan this morning and the art of neighboring. Um, Bob is a friend of mine that I knew uh, from Hill Country Bible Church while we were both in the church planning residency. He's been involved in church planning since 1999. He, uh, his wife Martha's right over here. So that just sure. means that I'm way older than him. That's all <laughs> be sure you guys get to know them on your way out. They'll be standing back at the connection table with me. Um, other stuff about Bob, he's got two amazing uh, teenage kids. One's in college, college age. One is in high school. And uh, Bob is a huge basketball fan, uh, especially if it's Duke basketball. I think he, uh, he has a picture of... I think uh, you I have, have some haters. That's good. That's good. Do you have that picture of Coach K in your wallet? I do, actually. Okay, yes. yeah, yeah. So uh, he's a great guy. He's going to do a great job. And I just uh, want to pray for him and the message before we get started. God, I just thank you so much for allowing Bob to be here with us this morning. I pray that you'd be with him as he brings your word. Help each of us to, to hear and understand um, what it is that you would have to say to us this morning. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Cool. Uh, yeah, Charlie, he's like out of his groove a little bit this morning because he didn't have to speak this morning. It's an honor and a privilege to be with you. It, it's super cool to be here. And one of the things that, that I want to do this morning is just let you know, I mean, you're probably already aware of this, but I just want to clarify it for you. I mean, you have a great pastor. I love Charlie. I love his family. Um, and so what you need to know is that you're just really blessed to have Charlie to be your pastor. Um, he's a great man, a great leader. Um, if there's something that I need to know that I don't know, uh, I'm pretty much always confident that I can pick up the phone and call Charlie and he's going to know. Um, and apparently now I can add one thing to the list that I was unaware of. If I need somebody to teach me how uh, to play the djembe, I can call Charlie because uh, I'm going to add one additional thing to the list. Um, if you're new to church, um, this morning is going to be a great thing for you to kind of, as we walk through some things, to kind of see what is the foundation of Christianity about. Like if you could kind of like boil it down to one thing. So if you're new to church and new to Christianity, today's great for you. Um, if you've been coming to church your entire life or for a long time, um, today could be a little challenging for you. It's a little challenging for me. From my perspective, I think this is one of the most challenging pieces of Scripture as we look at this this morning, what it says to us. Now, if you've grown up going to church, here's the real challenge because you're going to be somewhat familiar with the story. And so as we start talking about it, you're going to immediately be like, oh, yeah, I know that. Oh, I, yeah, I know that. I know that. And so what I want to ask you to do this morning is, could you just pretend with me? I know some of us are better at pretending than others, but if we could all just pretend for a moment that this is completely new to us, and as we do that, here's what happens. If you pretend that this is new, you'll notice things that you haven't seen before. If You'll see things that will speak to you in a different way. So if we could just kind of pretend this morning together, it would make me happy as we pretend, and we'll walk through this together, and what we'll see is, ouch, that's challenging. That's difficult. And the reason that I know that it's challenging difficult is because it's challenging and difficult for me. And so I'll do my best to kind of walk through this this morning. What we'll try to do, I can't guarantee that we'll do this. I'll read the whole thing and then we'll go back and talk about it. Um, I can't guarantee that that's exactly what will happen. Um, and I think what you've done over the past couple of weeks, you've looked at the first part of this, but I wanted to read it again for you this morning. So if you brought your Bibles, Luke chapter 10, or if you brought your phone, you can pull that out. Well, Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25. And this is what it says. 
on one occasion, an expert in the law. Um, And so in our minds, the first thing that we probably think of is a a traditional lawyer, but that's not what we're talking about here. This is somebody that has studied the 613 plus, they added some additional things on top of that, but they've looked at at what it means to be a good Jewish person. And so here's all the law. So this person has studied it. Um, He probably calls out the people that he's like, oh, hey, you stepped across the line and you weren't supposed to go there. So he, he could probably be wearing like a referee Uh, jersey or uniform. So on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. So he really doesn't really want to have a conversation with Jesus. He just wants to like trick him. So it's not like, hey, we're going to have this ongoing conversation here. Let's talk about some stuff. He's like, let me test you. And so that's what's going on. And he says, teacher, he asked, what must I do in order to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, which I love the way that Jesus typically responds when people ask him a question, is he asks another question. Like, to me, that's, that's one of my favorite things about Jesus. It's like, well, I don't know, what do you think? And so I think that that's kind of funny. Um, so what is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So this expert says, to Jesus' question, this is what I think that you're supposed to do. You're supposed to love God with everything that you have, and you're also supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. And then in verse 28, you have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, okay? Jesus is saying, if you want some action, if you want some steps, if you want to know what you have to do, Jesus says, do this, and you will live. So if you just want to know, what is it, what's the bottom line? What do I need to do, Jesus? What, how do I need to live my life? Jesus says, Go and do this. This is what you're supposed to do. But he wanted to justify himself. And don't don't we like to do that? Like, for me. Like, I don't want to speak for you. I'm just speaking for me this morning, okay? For me, I like to do that. Like, I want to justify. I want to make myself feel better. I want to pat myself on the back. I'm like, I want to make sure that I can check all the things off the list. Like, I'm doing this. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus. And when I read the Bible thing, like I hear voices in my head, like like I read into this, I think he was probably being a little sarcastic. Well, then who is my neighbor? Like I can't guarantee he said it like that, but I'm thinking that he probably, well, then who is my neighbor? And so I think he's probably being a little bit sarcastic, but he's also just trying to, to trick Jesus. In verse 30, in reply, Jesus said, And so he starts telling a story. And he says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And so what you need to know about this is, this is like a, we don't, like, when I read stuff, like, I don't typically see words in my head, and I know that that makes me weird. Like, I see pictures, and so when I, here's the picture, okay? Like, if you're a picture person, you already got this. But this is a narrow road, and it's really steep. Okay, and people, this road is actually, so when Jesus talks about this, people immediately know what he's talking about because this road is known. People travel this road frequently, and it's a narrow road. There's a lot of turns, okay? There's a lot of places um, that you could get into trouble, okay? So as a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, when he was attacked by robbers. It was known. This was a place where people would hang out, and when you turn the corner, they're going to jump out, and they're going to mug you. Like, there, it's... This is familiar with people. They're, they're aware of this. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him, and they went away, leaving him half dead. Okay, so they just beat the snot out of this guy. They take his clothes, which is really important to understand. Like, he, like 
we have big closets, right? And I probably shouldn't admit this to you, but like I think that like I like clothes and and I like shoes and that's important. Like I think that's cool. And so, but he didn't have a closet. Like that was his clothes. That was it. And they took it from him. They beat him up. They took it from him, and they're just going to leave him there to die without any additional help, without somebody doing something for him. If nobody treats this man for his injuries, he's going to die. So he's laying there, he's naked, he's exposed, and he's about to die. And then it says, along this same road, a priest happened to be going down the same road. Now, you should ask yourself the question, why was he going down this road? The reason he was going down this road was because he was just at the temple, okay? And he had, be, he had been performing his priestly duties. Now, we don't know exactly what he did that day, okay? But he was performing his priestly duties. He would be like, he would be the preacher guy, okay? In our terminology, he would be Charlie, okay? He could look, can we say that? Can we say that? He would be like, well, no, we, we won't say he was. He would be like Charlie. He would be the preacher guy, and he's going down this road. So he's been at church. He's been doing his churchly duties, and he's going down this road. And we'll just say he's going down I-35, just for conversation's sake, okay? So he's going down I-35, and he sees this guy who's in his lane. He's laying there. He's naked, and he's about to die. He, like, he, you can't avoid seeing this guy. Like, it's, he's there. And so he has to make a decision. And he has a couple of choices. So if you're driving down the highway, and you see something like this, you have a couple choices that you can make. And it says this. And he saw the man... Because the man is in his lane. Like he sees him. He saw the man. And it says he changed lanes. It says that he moved out of the way. And he passed by on the other side. So this preacher guy. Who had been at church doing church kinds of things. Passed by. And in his mind I'm sure that there was legitimate reasons. Why he should probably move out of the way. Like, why he should go around, he probably has some legitimate reasons. So, so Jesus is telling this story. And then he says, so to a Levite, when he came to the place and he saw the man. So who is a Levite? This is like a helper at the church. Okay, this is like an elder, a leader, somebody at the church. So, so somebody who does significant things and helps out and leads in a significant way at the church. So he's not, he's not the preacher guy, but he's like pretty high. Like, he, this, he's a significant guy. He's traveling down the same road. He's traveling in the same lane as the preacher guy, and he sees the guy there naked, bleeding, beaten up, and it says that he too changed lanes and went around. So Jesus is telling the story. People are listening in now. Jesus is gathering a crowd. People are hearing what Jesus says. And then in verse 33, it says, but a Samaritan, now Probably what happened is Jesus is telling the story and he says, but a Samaritan, everybody probably went, <gasps> because Jewish people didn't talk about Samaritans, they didn't want to see them, they didn't want to interact with them. Matter of fact, when, when they were traveling, they would go way out of their way just not to have a conversation because they didn't want to see a Samaritan. And so Jesus brings it up. And so this is a significant conversation. People are listening, and Jesus says, uh, and then a Samaritan. And everybody, first of all, is freaked out that he's even talking about it. And then as he reads it, they're even more freaked out. So, okay, we're, are we still on the same page? Preacher guy? Changes lanes, goes around the naked, bleeding guy. Um, leader at the church, changes lanes, 
goes around naked bleeding guy. Now we're at the Samaritan. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, it says that he took pity on him. Like, I think you could, could substitute, he had compassion. Like, he had compassion on this beaten, naked, bleeding man. And then it says in 30, verse 34, he went to him, and he did a couple of things. Like, he bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Like, he, he did first aid. Like, this guy is messed up. And so he's treating him, he's helping him, and then he, he even goes on further and does some additional things, okay? Um, he went to him, he bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, okay? It doesn't say this, but, but let's just pretend for a minute, can we? Like, this guy, he's got his own car. Like, it's a nice car with leather seats. He puts this guy who's bleeding and naked in his car, on his leather seats. Like, he had just had his car detailed. Like, it's, like it's, it's, it's clean, it smells good, it's nice. He says that he takes the guy and he puts him on his own donkey. So if he puts him on his own donkey, then the rest of the trip, the guy's going to be walking. Right? So he helps the guy. He puts him on his own donkey. He had compassion on him. He brought him to an inn, and he took care of him. So then it says, the next day, and I think this is significant, when it says the next day, you know why I think that's significant? Because it means that he spent the night with the man. Like he didn't just like give him a couple bucks and send him on his way and hope that somebody else would take care of him. He spent the night with him. Like he put him in his car on his leather seats, he took him to a hotel, and they spent the night together. Because it says the next day, he took out a significant amount of money. Like, this is probably enough money for the guy to stay at the hotel for a whole week. Okay? It's a lot of money. He took out a significant amount of money, and he gave them to the innkeeper, and he says, look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. So, he says, this guy's going to need clothes. Like, you can't send him out of the hotel naked. Like, you... You know, he might get arrested if you send him out naked. So buy him some clothes. And when I come back through, like if he eats more, or if he requires more medical attention and he needs clothes, then I'm going to pay for that when I come back. So here's enough for him to stay for a while. And when I come back, I, here, I'll give you more if he needs more. Okay? Verse 36. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? Like, on the surface, this almost seems like a trick question, right? Like, because sometimes, sometimes at church, somebody asks a question, and you think that it's a trick question because you're not really, like, I'm, I don't want to answer because I think you're tricking me because it seems obvious what the answer is, but I don't want to answer. I think, like, the people who are sitting around here, that's what they're thinking. Like, this is too obvious. And then the expert of the law, the guy who originally started the whole conversation, he gives an answer, and I think his answer is hilarious. His answer is, the one who had mercy on him. You know why I think it's funny? is because he couldn't even get himself to say the Samaritan. Like, he didn't even want to say the Samaritan. He's just like, the guy who had mercy on him, that's the guy. That's who the neighbor was. 
And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Here's why I think this is such a challenging thing for me. Like, I don't want to speak for you, because maybe you've got this down. But this is challenging for me. And the problem as we read this story is that most of the time, we see the story and we're like, yeah, I'm the good Samaritan. Like, that's who I am. I'm the good Samaritan. That's what we think. Like, we think, I'm the good Samaritan. But religious people like me and, and maybe, can I dare to say maybe some of you, like I don't want to, but religious people like me, you know what happens so many times? Is we see people, like don't miss this, because I think this is important. We see people as an interruption, not as the mission. Like we, because we don't, like we don't have time to deal with this. Like, because we've got other important church things to do. Like, we got to get there and set up, you know, because I know how, it takes a long time. To, we got to get there, and we got to get our stuff done. And so I don't really have a whole lot of time to help somebody else. And, and unfortunately, we see people as an interruption. And remember back when it said uh, in verse 35 that he had compassion on him. Like, I think there's a difference there between, like, sometimes we have emotion like, we see something, and we're like, ooh, that person has a big need. I, I see that they have a need. And we have emotion, and, and our emotion then turns to, well, I hope somebody does something. Like, like I know that you're not going to admit that, so I'm just going to put myself, like, that's what I do sometimes. Like, that person has a need. Man, I hope somebody helps them. Like, that's what I do. And so sometimes there's a difference between emotion and compassion because I think compassion compels you to actually do something. Like you're not just moved by, oh, that person got beat up and is naked and bleeding. I hope somebody helps them. Because that's, that's emotion. Like you see the need, but compassion is like takes it to another level because it compels you to actually do something. And so, so sometimes we make ourselves... Okay, I keep doing that. Sometimes I make myself feel better. Like, I don't want to speak for you. Sometimes I make myself feel better because I had the emotion. Like, I saw the need. That's bad. They need help. I hope somebody helps them. And so I, now I feel better because I saw the need. And I'm sure that somebody will be able to help them. But I've got a lot of stuff to do today, so I can't help them. And so, so I think that that's one of the issues. And the other thing as you read the story about the Good Samaritan is, like, it cost him a lot. Like, him actually doing that cost him a lot. And one of the things that I want to challenge you with this morning is I think that we all have, all of us, we all have streets to cross. Like, we all have that thing that we have to go and do, and it may make us feel uncomfortable. Like, we all have something. We all, instead of changing lanes and going around, We've, we see a need, we meet a need. Like we all have streets to cross and it's sometimes hard to cross the street, even at your own street. Like I don't know where you live, maybe you don't live in a street, by a street you live in an apartment, but we'll just use the analogy anyway. Like sometimes we all have a street to cross. Because here's what happens. I got, sometimes we watch, my wife and I, we watch those, um, I don't, those TLC shows, no, no it's not TLC, those House shows, like people are going to shop for a house. I don't know what the show is. What's it called? You, you, you've seen it. What's it called? 
yeah, 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 it's on there. And they, like, they're like looking for their first house or they're looking for a new house or whatever. Like, like we've all seen, or most of us have seen those shows. And one of the things that fascinates me is this happens almost, it doesn't happen all the time, but I've seen a lot of these shows. Like, I don't know why we see these shows because we're not looking for a house, like we're not shopping for a house. We just like to watch other people do that. I'm not sure why, what that says about me. But. And so we're watching, this, we're watching these shows and this happens a lot. They'll say, they'll go look at a house and they'll say, Hmm, I like the house, like it's, well, it's got a nice kitchen and it has a lot of space. But the other houses are too close. Like the, na- like the neighbors can see in my backyard. Like the fence needs to be higher. Like, like that's what we do in American culture, that's what we do now. It hasn't always been that way, but we want to make sure that we can pull into our garage and we shut the garage door before we even get out of the car because we don't want anybody to like sneak in our garage. And we, we build a higher fence in the back because we don't want anybody to see into our yard because, you know, we're the, we don't want them to see what we're doing because they might want to come and eat our steaks. <laughs> like, that's what we do. Like, we want the bigger fence and we want the garage and we want to come home and we get into our little cocoon and we don't want to interact with anybody because we've already done that during the day at our job. So we don't want to do that. And my question for you this morning is, why do we do that? And what street is it that you need to cross? I think we all have streets that we need to cross. The problem, the real problem is, is that our big butts get in the way. And you don't know me yet, so, or maybe it's just not that funny. Um, that was intended to be funny, and it's okay to laugh. Um, which should go to say, like, if you have to explain the joke, then it's probably really not funny to begin with. Um, but we'll try it again just to humor me. And so the real problem is our big butts get in the way. <laughs> Thank you for the courtesy laugh. That's good. Um, but seriously, because we say, I can't go cross the street, but somebody else will do it. I can't do that because I don't have the time and I don't have the money. Like, we have all of these buts, but God, I can't, but I can't, I can't. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I can't. And so we have all of these excuses of why we can't do that. We have all these excuses of why we change lanes and go around the guy. Like, we, we have a lot of excuses. The real problem in American culture I mean, this, this isn't true in other places in the world. The real problem in American culture is that we think the goal as an American is to be comfortable. That's what we think. We think the goal is to be comfortable. Like, we think, I've made it. Like, I've arrived. If I can pull into my garage and close it before anybody else talks to me. We think the goal is to simply be comfortable. Like, I want to be able to have this and that. And our goal is to just be comfortable. And what's happened is that same mentality has creeped into what we call Christianity. And I want to ask you a question just for a moment. Think about this. Like, if the, if the goal of Christianity is for you to merely and simply get into heaven, if that's your goal then once you said yes to Jesus, like you crossed the line of faith and you say, I want to be a Christian, you say yes to Jesus, then if the goal was primarily heaven, you know what would happen? Boom, you would be gone. 
and you would go to heaven. So that would lead me to believe, just as I think through the process, that, then, that the goal must be something different. Like if, if the goal is not simply for you to get into heaven, then what is the purpose for you to do? And I think that it's pretty clear as we look at this this morning, and it's really challenging, is the goal for us is to actually be a neighbor. Because we make excuses. There's two big ones. And you know how I know there's two big ones? Because I do them. There's two big ones. Yeah, I'm the good Samaritan. I would do that. If I saw somebody naked and bleeding on I-35, I would stop and help them. Unless it was raining. Or if there was a lot of traffic. As long as I, would, I could be safe when I was doing it, I would stop and help them. Like, that's what, that's what I would, like, I'm the good Samaritan. So that's one way we excuse it away. The second way that we excuse it away is the, everybody is my neighbor. Like, I'm just Mr. Rogers. Everybody is my neighbor. But the reality is when we say that everybody is my neighbor, ultimately what that means is, nobody's really my neighbor because we don't in, be, we're not intentional we're not intentional about crossing the street because we're just like yeah i'm nice but this isn't talking about being nice this is talking about being compelled to develop a relationship with someone so what street do you need to cross In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So if the, if the ultimate goal, or if becoming a Christian is more than just getting into heaven, then what is it about? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 tells us, God created you to do some specific things, to do good works, to cross the street, to build some relationships, to develop relationships with people. And then look what it says in John chapter 14, verse 12. Like anytime Jesus says truly, truly, like uh, this is just the way that my silly mind works. Like if Jesus is saying truly, truly, I better pay attention because if he says it twice, it must be important. So Jesus says truly, truly, so it's like, okay, pay attention. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever, and so who does whoever include? Whoever. <laughs> like we, we kind of think that as we read this, whoever means like the, the super spiritual people or the preacher people or the extra church people or the charismatic people or whoever. But when it says whoever, whoever believes in me, so that includes whoever. Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Now, if you grow up going to church, our tendency when we, re we read this is to kind of jump to a conclusion. So we're going to do the works that Jesus do. When you think about the works that Jesus did, he walked on water. He turned water into wine. He fed people with just a little bit of food. He did all of these great things, and that's what we tend to think about. And you're like, well, okay, well, this verse not, must not be speaking to me because it's talking to super religious people that can do those kinds of things, and I can't do that. But that's not what it's talking about. It says, do the works of Jesus. What are the works of Jesus? He was a lover. He took care of people. He taught people. He spent time with people. You were created to do the works of Jesus, to love the people around you. That's what you're supposed to do. 
So first question is, do you know the people around you? And the second question is, well, then how well do you know them? On your way out today, if you want to stop and you can get this, this is a little handy-dandy reminder. Like you can stick it on your refrigerator. And in the middle it says you, okay? So that should be self-explanatory, like you know who you are. So it says you. And then it has all these little cute little houses. And the goal here is for you to put this on your refrigerator, and if you don't know the person that lives across the street from you, your goal is to cross the street and to develop a relationship with them. And so you're going to know some things about them. Not just their name, especially not just their first name. Yeah, I know my neighbor. His name is Tom. What's Tom's last name? What does he like? What does he dislike? Where is he from? What are his hopes? What are his dreams? Like you get to know people. And so my challenge for you is to take this with you to lunch like I'm, maybe this is a bad assumption but you're going to eat sometime today so if it's right after church and you go to a restaurant take, take it in with you and you sit down with yourself or whoever you're with and, you're, and you just say can I write down do I know who lives across the street do I know who lives behind me who lives next to me do I know and what are you going to do about it in the 1800s there was a missionary Dr. David Livingston and there's a lot of interesting things that have been written about him, but one of the things that's been written about him is a prayer that he had, and this is what it says. Send me anywhere, only go with me. Lay any burden on me, only sustain me. Sever any ties, but the ties that bind me to your service and to your heaven. Like I wonder if we can make that our prayer. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to be with these people at this place, at this moment. And God, my prayer is simply that you would challenge us. For the person this morning that is maybe just investigating Christianity, God, I pray that you would pursue them. God, I pray that you would begin to touch them, that they would begin to hear you speak to their heart. God, for the person this morning that has been coming to church for a long time, maybe even their whole life, God, I pray that you would, you would challenge them. God, I pray that you would help them to see that being a Christian is more than just the opportunity to, to get into heaven, but being a Christian is more about the works that you've prepared for us to do and the streets that you've prepared for us to cross and the relationships that you've prepared for us to have. And so, God, my prayer is that you would challenge us, that you would equip us, that you would empower us to do those great things, those great works that you prepared for us in advance to do. God, I pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. And I pray that we would not be selfish with our faith. You are a gracious and loving God. In your holy name we pray. Amen the people in Africa that spoke about Dr. Livingston simply said this when he died. When he came here, there was no light. When he left, there was no darkness. My prayer is that somebody we know could say the same about us.